0: I have never taken a formal business class in my life. I've taken a lot of classes, a lot of marketing, a lot of courses, a lot of masterminds. But when it comes down to it, I do not have any sort of business degree. And that's been something that has, you know, I've sat with that before, maybe has bothered me, but like Tony Robbins says, I have a PhD in results and I do. And I say that humbly, but also with truth. So whether it's the results that I've gotten in my business or the hundreds and thousands of clients that we've worked with who have been able to not just make money, I don't care if you can make money. I want you to build a machine that makes you money. Like anyone can teach anyone to make money on Instagram. I want you to build a machine that makes you money so that if you can't show up for work, which I had something that took me out last year, we can talk about it. Eight weeks it took me out unexpectedly, and I was out of work and the business kept running. That's the type of business that I want to teach people how to do.
1: Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama Has Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom, and whatever your goals are, together we're making them a reality. I've said it once and I'll say it again, some of my favorite people are people that their energy, their heart, and their purpose are all just lit on fire, and our guest today is no exception to that. A former celebrity personal trainer and elementary school teacher, Jess turned her once cute side hustle into a multi-million dollar business in 18 months. Since leaving her teaching job in 2017, Jess has hired a team of incredible heart-centered leaders, served hundreds of clients, and helped them generate over $20 million in revenue. As a result of donations and the awareness she and her company, the Digital Business Evolution, have generated, Jess was able to fund the building of a school in Ghana, Africa with the Pencils of Promise. The school opened in January 2021 and is home to over 150 students and local staff. Jess has been featured in The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Yahoo, Finance, The Today Show, Good Day New York, The New York Post, Shape Magazine, and Well and Good. As evident through her business, life, and philanthropic endeavors, Jess's mission is to cause a ripple effect and inspire change for generations to come, making a massive impact along the way and leaving a lasting legacy behind her singular actions. Jess is such a kind person. She is so much fun. She is so down to earth and our conversation today is so good. We are going to dive into some serious business and life strategy from prioritizing family and business, having your partner on the sidelines doing their own path or coming into the business as well as Jess brought her husband from his very great career path into her business, her topic: pregnancy and what life looks like now, knowing how to take the step in business when you have no business background as Jess didn't when she started this business. And again, I'll say it 18 months till she became a multimillion dollar business. We talk about Instagram versus reality, some of the challenges and struggles that Jess has seen along the way, how she shows up and what she shares, and also just business mistakes, learnings, and what that looks like. So you do not want to miss this episode. Something that we are doing that is really fun is we are doing part one episodes on this podcast and part two for some of our other business hosts. So if you are a business mama, you definitely want to be in Jess's life. As one of my personal business mentors and friends, Jess's podcast has so much value. So head over to the Digital Business Evolution, listen to the other half of this podcast episode to hear a little bit more about me, my business journey, and what the behind the scenes of Mama Has Goals looks like. Also, dive into the other episodes on the Digital Business Evolution podcast to really help kickstart your business journey. We'll link it down here in the show notes. You don't want to miss it. I don't know about you, but I love meeting someone that lets me be my favorite parts of me. And I'm super excited to have you here, Jess, because... Beyond the fact that you are just a business genius and such a kind heart and such an amazing person, you also give this really great permission of being your full self alongside business and having the quirky parts of a personal brand allowing you to build multiple seven-figure businesses and beyond. And you've helped not just yourself do that. And you lead people from the beginning, but all the way to all the other families and grandbabies of businesses, like not real humans, but like the people connected to the businesses that you've impacted, growing schools, building schools. You're just such a nice person. And I know I hear people sometimes give business CEOs a bad name. And you are one of the ones that can just say, no, the more that you make, the more that you can give. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being such an amazing person from strategy to real life heart. Thank you.
0: What an intro. I'm like, I know my armpits are sweating. I got I got big shoes to fill after you said that. I want that on repeat when I wake up in the morning. I adore you and I appreciate you so much for all the kind words, but more so just being here. So we could turn this into a love fest, but I'm sure whoever's listening wants to get to the dirt. We could.
1: But it is important to know that while we're going to talk about life and business strategy today, this person can fill those shoes and back it up. And something that I admire most about you outside of that intro is how you balance this big business success alongside family and on a Mama House Goals podcast and community. We're all about building a life that aligns with our family because otherwise, what are we doing it for? And not only do you have this business that you have to be a part of it, but you also have moved away from most of your family. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about how do you prioritize family and building a business and a life that allows you to kind of do what you want and Mm. see those people and bring them along for the journey and do your own thing at the same time.
0: Yeah. I have to preface whatever I'm going to say with because I think most of your listeners are moms. I am not one and I don't take that lightly. I know that it makes it a lot easier for me to do some of the things that I have been able to do. So I'm not a mom yet. And when I kind of go into how I do it, I could feel the eye rolls that might happen behind the scenes of people like, well, yeah, it's easy for you because you don't have kids. So I'm not discounting or discrediting that. I think it is easier because I don't have kids. And in the same breath, it is bizarre where Mike and I are my husband, where we don't have kids right now. And we both work for our company, my company, our company now. And so we have this ultimate freedom, which just sounds so like oh for you, but we have this ultimate freedom of choice and opportunity where we could live anywhere. And because we don't have children yet and we don't, we're not grounded or rooted into a school system we're grounded or grounded and rooted into activities and, and sports or the grandparents being nearby. We actually struggle a lot, full transparency behind the scenes with where do we want to live because the family stuff is so important to us. And just fast forward real quick, or actually rewind real quick. 2020, we were living in New York City, Manhattan, high-rise, the whole thing. He worked in corporate. I was building my business and scaling that company. Had been for many years. And we decided to leave New York with everybody else who left. And we ended up putting all of our stuff in storage. We got a 40-foot motorhome and we traveled the country for 14 months through 27 states. And in this moment, that's one of those times where I'm like, I get it. That is much harder to do with kids. Super grateful. That was a choice of ours at the time fell in love with Arizona, which is where we currently live now. So to your point, we unexpectedly ended up moving 2,500 miles away from all of our people, our friends, our family, our network, our support system. Yes, we have a ton of entrepreneurial friends here, but like our core people are all back on the East Coast, whether it's Massachusetts, New Jersey, or you know Maryland, North Carolina. That was never the plan. We kind of just ended up here because we love it. And we have an internal battle often of while we love it here for so many reasons, we also do have a lot of guilt. I've got that Jewish guilt of like not being home with our parents who are getting older. In fact, in the last two weeks, we've had two different deaths in the family, if you will. And it's like, what are we doing 2,500 miles away? And it's this really bizarre thing. So I'm super grateful for it and and the opportunity, but also sometimes those gifts are also like your curses as well. And we talk about it every day and we stress over it every single day. So what we do is we build our business around our life, not our life around our business. And so what that looks like for us, which it's kind of disruptive sometimes and it might sound sexier than it is. We, the last two years have been snowboarding And so we leave, we're actually leaving next week for New Jersey for a couple months in the summer to go really spend time with the people that we love over there and to get that like quality time of just random Sunday dinners with my parents. And then we come back here in Arizona for the winter. And again, I get that it's like such a privilege to do that, but it also requires a lot of effort. We're going to be out of office for a couple of weeks while we're traveling. And so it's, you know, that's pressure on the team as well, because it's like, let's get us ahead. Let's batch out things. Let's make sure we're good to go. And so we're a couple months ahead in the business. And right now in this moment that we're recording it, I'm working 14 hour work days at minimum because I'm preparing for a season, which is why I'm an entrepreneur, because I can do that. And that's awesome. And I don't have kids, so it is easier, but it's Rob Peter to PayPal, So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm batching out right now. I'm working double, triple hours right now. So that for a week or two or three, it's going to look a lot lighter. And so at the drop of a hat at any given moment, Mike and I will fly home. We try to go home once a quarter, He will fly home without me to his family. I'll fly home without him to my family. We'll go together. And we're really just trying to be super intentional with those moments of whether it's every Sunday I FaceTime with my parents and my brother, or it's taking the trip home, or we're actually moving Thanksgiving this year and we're doing it in September so that all siblings and children and parents could be there. But it's something that is just so important to us that we are making sure that stuff gets put into the calendar first. It's not the launch, It's like the family, the health, the going to the gym, the meditation, that stuff goes in the calendar first. The thing that goes in last is the business stuff.
1: And I know for some people listening, they're going to say 14 hour work days. Like how in the world would I be able to do that as a mom? And you and I both know that it is possible and there are people that do it. So how would you speak to that person to say, like you said, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul. There's choices. There's a way to do things. How would you talk about creating flexibility, building a business alongside your life for someone that's like, I can't work 14-hour days all the time in that way?
0: Yeah. The most important thing is knowing yourself, right? Awareness is key in any capacity. So that might not be realistic for where you're at this very moment. It doesn't mean it's not possible, but your expectation is going to equal the experience that you have. So just be a little bit more realistic. And could you give yourself a little bit more time? Could you give yourself a little bit more space? And what would it look like if you carved out a half hour a day or you started to habit stack and multitask. Now, I know you might not like this idea, but if you're someone who gets a pedicure for a set, like let's say you're getting a pedicure, could you actually multitask if you wanted to? And maybe you're now you know, on social media, creating a post while you're getting a pedicure, or maybe you're responding to emails while you're doing something like that. If you're listening and you're like, absolutely not, because that's my me time and I don't want to be plugged in, just know that that is a choice and be okay with that. I'm not saying one is better or you're wrong, it's just like okay well you could do it and if you don't want to you don't have to but i do believe i'm not going to say that you know everybody's got the same thing the opportunities in 24 hours in a day at the end of the day though there are probably areas if you wanted to that you could tighten the belt on your time and i get it we're currently binging a show on netflix and like i like to watch a netflix show after dinner at night but the reality of it also is that could easily get pushed aside for a small amount of time. And it's kind of when people say like temporary discomfort for, you know, ultimate pleasure. And it's like, well, what would it look like if for one month, for four weeks, I don't watch the show after dinner, but instead I give 20 minutes to working on my side hustle. So I think there are definitely things that you could do if you want to, but I think most importantly, it's extending your timeline. It's these unrealistic timelines that we put on ourselves that it needs to be done right now and built today and successful tomorrow, where this pressure gets built up. And all of a sudden, it's like this overwhelm, and then you become paralyzed by it. And the reality is, you might just not have the time in this season that you're in right now. So why don't you give yourself a little bit of grace, be okay with that? And instead, what could it look like in this particular season? The other thing I would say, too, is learning from people who have done it or plugging yourself into whether it's a course, a mastermind, a program, reading a book, listening to a podcast. I mean, you don't have to spend money on this stuff. But what that does, like this podcast, is it collapses the amount of time that it's going to take you to get from point A to point B because maybe Kelsey's already done it or a guest that she's had on has done it. And so you're essentially learning what took somebody months or years in 20 minutes on a podcast. And so can you listen to a podcast while you're doing your laundry or driving your kids to school? And then at least you're sort of consuming that information and ideating and maybe you can implement in a later season or slower. Yeah.
1: And preparing that information. And what I love about podcasts and even the guests that you bring on yours is it allows you to see yourself in so many different people because we are all so different. We all have so many different backgrounds and foundations of which we've built our life upon. And one thing that I notice in our community is people saying, well, my partner is this and my partner's doing that. And how are they going to understand and what I love is you now have Mike as your husband as a part of your business, but he wasn't always. He was off building his own career. What has that looked like in the past versus what it has looked like now? And especially specifically for him, maybe not
0: understanding your world. We never had goals. That was never like the vision that I'd retire him from corporate one day. It was never the discussion that we were going to work together one day and be entrepreneurs or anything like that. I was a schoolteacher. I worked as an elementary school phys ed teacher for eight years. We lived in New Jersey. We were completely house poor, living paycheck to paycheck. He commuted to New York City in a suit and tie every day. And we were living the quote unquote American dream, right? Like literally that was it. And he was three hours a day commuting back and forth. And that is just what we thought our life would be. And it wasn't until years after I had taken the leap. So I left my secure and stable job in 2017 to go all in on what was at the time my quote unquote cute side hustle is what I call it. So in 2012, I started this side hustle, not thinking it was ever going to be anything. It was just, I got home at 325. He got home at 930. I needed to fill my time. I'm a doer and I like to educate and serve. And so I was doing all these things online just to try to help make ends meet, like a little bit of money here and there. And it was just fun and fulfilling. So when I left my job in 2017, there was no thought or discussion of him coming into the business. And then it was in 2020 where the world got turned upside down. And it to me felt like, We had all been living inside of a snow globe where the snow had settled. And then it was like somebody shook the snow globe and everyone kind of started questioning like, what am I doing? Do I even like this? Like my day to day, my partner, my life, where I live. And that happened to us too. And when we started to question all of these things, that's when it was first like, wait a minute, crazy, stupid idea time. If you left your job and came and worked with me, then we can live anywhere. And now invite in the RV. Like that's literally how the RV started because then the question was, well, where do we want to live? And they were like, let's go tour the country with an RV and see where we want to live. So it sort of happened organically. And if I'm being honest, I don't know that we thought it was gonna be the be all end all. Like I think we still thought it was a season where we're like, all right, let's get through this weird time. Let's RV, you can work with me. And then maybe you'll go like we assumed we were gonna go back to New Jersey and New York and maybe you'll go back yeah. to your job. Like, I don't know. It just wasn't really a thing. And when he first stepped into the business, there was a big learning curve. And we went from working separately. I'm a full-time entrepreneur for a couple of years by myself. He's got his corporate gig where he's really doing so well. And all of a sudden, now we're living in 300 square feet in a bus together, working together on a business that he ultimately didn't really know much about. He saw the revenue, you know, and he would see me on coaching calls, but he didn't necessarily know the ins and outs. And I had been in masterminds for years at that point, flying across the country, going to masterminds, courses, coaching programs, so he was always supportive of it, but he didn't necessarily know it. And it took probably a year for him to really... I also had a team already. So he was integrating into a full team and the business and the platforms and really understanding digital marketing. And there was a big learning curve from just our whole life got flipped upside down. And it, it took a couple difficult conversations and a lot of discomfort for us to grow into where we are today. And now I can't imagine him not being a part of it and you know what we've been able to build together. And it really is ours now. It's no longer just mine. But it was an organic kind of thing. And we've just been really open to what it could turn into. When he first came into the business, we thought he was going to be the integrator, which is like the COO, Mm -hmm. because that's more of what he was doing in corporate. It was very managerial. But when we started to kind of give him those tasks, we were learning he doesn't actually like those things. He just had to do them in corporate. And so he's more of a visionary. And now he's ahead of a completely different department in the company and someone else is the COO. And it was like the best thing we could do for our organizational chart. So he didn't even end up doing the job that he initially came in to do, which is interesting. So we've just had to be really open and flexible to kind of just navigate it as we go.
1: I love that. And what about the very beginning stages when you were like, hey, I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to make this large investment for this mastermind. I'm going to do this. And he's like, yeah, I mean,
0: I don't really understand. So the first coaching investment I made was in 2014 was my first business coach. And again, I'm like a full-time teacher. I'm not leaving my job. It's just this cute side hustle. And I invested in a coach. It was $1,500 and like, just didn't really have the money. My parents actually lent it to me, which I was like 30 or something at the time, 31. And my parents loaned me $1,500. And he was supportive because he saw something in me that I didn't. And I know a lot of people don't have that. So I'm super grateful to have a supportive spouse he actually was sort of encouraging me to go do stuff. He he just saw something that I didn't. So we were so scared, but thank goodness for my parents, super grateful that they were able to do that cuz they also saw something where they were like, this is a good investment. We can see that this is going to this is going to pay off in the end. And that was 2012 and 8 years later I wrote a check to my dad to help him retire at 70 something years old. So it certainly did, you know, pay off in that sense, but yeah, that's not everybody's story. And so what I would say to the person listening who's like, must be nice. Like you had parents who helped you and who are supportive and a husband who is supportive. There's this idea of anointing yourself, right? And I had a coach back in 2015 or so. I had wanted to speak on stages and it was one of those things where you're like, I want to be a waitress or a bartender and you go in and you apply and they're like, we don't hire anybody without experience. And you're like, you're the fourth restaurant to say that. Like, how am I supposed to get a job if no one will give me a job without experience? And so similarly, I felt that way with speaking. I'm like, I want to speak on stages, but people want B-roll of me speaking on stages. And so my coach at the time said, build your own stage. And so that's exactly what I did. I built a stage and I had 250 women come to an event where I built a stage and I got a videographer and I created my own B-roll. And so if you're not finding that your spouse, your partner, your parents, your siblings are supportive, can you number one, just put enough into yourself, like anointing yourself that is possible. But number two, can you find those people like in Mama Has Goals, right? Like, can you find those communities, whether they're free or paid, where there are going to be other people that can be expanders for you to show you what's possible, where they're going to support you, where they're going to help you out. And and whether it's gifting you something or bartering with you or just being there to talk, right? To have someone who's like-minded to talk. You can't put a price tag on that stuff. And so I'm so grateful for the help that I had. And I also was busting my butt. And if we go back to when I first left my job in 2017, I thought I was going to be the next Jillian Michaels. I was a personal trainer. I'd been a trainer for 15 years and I was training celebrities. That's what I wanted. It was like, I'm going to be the next TV fitness person. And so for about four months, when I had given my principal notice that I was leaving, that was my last year teaching until the end of the school year, Two or three times a week, I would take the train from New Jersey into New York City. I would pay $40 to go to a pop-up fitness class at some new bougie studio. I didn't know anybody. This is on a school night. I would take the class for $40 and I would take the train all the way back home and I'd get home at like 11 o'clock at night. And I would do this two, three times a week. And I'm saying this because this is a situation where, again, I was building my own stage. When we ended up leaving New Jersey and moving into New York City and I had quit the teaching job and I was going to go all in on fitness... I already had a reputation and a brand presence there. I had friends there. I'd been showing up at studios there. I did the work ahead of time. Nobody was coming to save me. And so while I got the help of my parents financially and the help of my husband with the support, I still had to do the work. And when I did, it paid off dividends because the second we moved to New York, I had gyms asking me to work there and they had no idea we didn't even live there. They were like, wait, what? You just moved here? And I'm like, yeah, I've just been inserting myself. And the amount of people that I reached out to, I mean, this was... The wild, wild west of Instagram. It was like 2015, 2014. The amount of people that I reached out to on Instagram were like, Do you want to be friends? <laughs> Can I take you out for coffee? Like, I made all of the mistakes. I did all the things and I took my shot over and over and over and over again. And I wouldn't be here if I hadn't have done that, all, all of those things.
1: Yeah. I have spoke so many times about how sending the random message or going to the random coffee meetup, how I would say 90% of the time is. 10 times worth it and definitely should do it. Um, With that, I remember when I started my business and I started reaching out to these random people on Instagram and like, what do you do? How do you make money? What does that look like? Why are you just posting like quotes on Instagram? I had so many questions and part of what I learned was the very first thing you need to do is work on yourself. There's this business and life strategy Mm -hmm. and then there's the mindset portion of it as well. And when people would tell me the, the best thing you can do for your business is work on yourself, I would be like, I'm good. Like Everything's good. I don't know what you're talking about. And I know like through and through, <laughs> you are so much business strategy, but I would love to know what are some of the biggest things that have made the impact on how you worked on yourself first and communication mm-hmm. and relationships and how you show up as a leader?
0: This is a great question. So The name of my company is Digital Business Evolution because I believe that you're always evolving and growing and your business is a reflection of you and your growth. And so as we're constantly evolving as a human, our business is also naturally going to evolve. And I'm very mindful of the word pivot. Pivot has like this negative connotation. So I really see it as an evolution because you're stepping into a version of yourself that you ultimately are meant to be, right? You just haven't been there yet. When you say mindset first, I say mindset always, right? And so It's never not happening. There is mindset work all the time every day as a leader now versus where I was as a a solopreneur. I am dealing with more mindset now. I'm dealing with more, quote unquote, putting out fires, managing people, emotions, hiring, firing, scaling, difficult conversations, communication. So it is a constant work in mindset and it's an everyday thing. And the way that I see it, because so many of our clients are sort of at the beginning stages, the beginning stages of business, most people come up against like limiting belief, right? Imposter syndrome, self-doubt, which it's not a syndrome. You're not sick. It's not a disease. You just feel like a beginner. It's just beginner's mindset. You haven't done it yet. So once you've done it once, you're no longer a beginner. You might not be an expert, but you're no longer a beginner. And so the readiness that we feel or we think we're going to feel is an illusion. The only way to feel ready is by doing. So we talk all the time about the ABC method. Action breeds confidence, right? Action breeds clarity. Once you do it once, you've no longer can say that you've never done it before. And so with reps, it gets easier over time. So a lot of times the beginning stages, it's kind of, am I good enough? The worthiness, are people gonna listen to me? What if people reject me? What if this, what if that? As you grow though, there's this quote that people say all the time, new levels, new devils. And while I don't necessarily fully believe it, I do in the sense that there's gonna be a challenge at every level. There's going to be a mindset block at every level and the mindset blocks might change. So I don't necessarily think twice about going on Instagram live and me messing up, or who's going to be there, or what if I get rejected, or I'm not wearing makeup. Like, I truly don't. It does not even phase me. But I had to put out a pretty hefty fire this morning in the company, and it was a really difficult conversation. And not only did I have to, I get to. It's it's a gift that I can. But I not only went through that, I then expected minutes later to show up on a call acting like nothing happened, right? Or being able to, like, pour back into my clients and sort of keep it as neutral. And so, the strength, the muscle that I've been really flexing as I've scaled the company is tightening my boundaries, is saying no more, right? Like the quickest way to build a business is to say yes. The quickest way to scale a business is to say no. So it's flexing the boundaries. It's flexing the no muscle. And it's really understanding leadership has a huge responsibility that nobody's talking about. Being a leader is not the same thing as people following you. And I'm talking about social media. Like someone following you does not make you a leader. You posting on Instagram does not make you a business owner. There's two different things. And I'm not throwing shade. It's just like, you could post on Instagram. It doesn't mean you have a business. Even if that one post makes you money, you don't necessarily have a business structure. You've monetized that thing. And so like, if you wanted to build that out, what would that look like over time? And for a lot of people, it's a rude awakening, myself included, where you kind of get to this level. One day you look around, you're like, wait a minute. I'm not even necessarily doing the thing that I like to do. How did I get here? I'm so far, the gap has gotten so big now between the daily showing up of doing content and coaching people. And now I'm like managing a team and and doing administrative stuff and putting out fires and having meetings. And it's like, is that even what I wanted? And that goes back to your original conversation or question of build your business around your life, not your life around your business. And so really sit with that. What does that look like? Maybe you don't want that. Maybe Maybe you really just want to be coaching. Maybe you want to hire people to do the other things. Maybe you want to be an intrapreneur where you're working in someone else's business, but you're not responsible for all the bells and the whistles of what actually running a business looks like. And that has been a couple of years of just kind of like Seesaw playing in that you know, sandbox for me of like, is this what I want? This is so interesting. I'm on the business more than I'm in the business where I used to be in the business a lot. And I never had space or time to be on the business. And they're just different hats that you're wearing. Yeah.
1: And something I hear a lot is, well, I didn't have that business background. And we've already talked about how you came from thinking that you were going to be in the fitness world. And you were and had so much success there. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And prior to that was teaching. How did that transition look with you just learning the actual strategy that you now teach? And also believing in yourself enough to be able to move
0: forward each time. Oh, man, I have totally felt that imposter so many times. I went to college for my doctorate of physical therapy, graduated with like a BS in kinesiology, went to grad school, dropped out of grad school my first year. I was like, "Ah, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. Ended up going to fashion school, went to Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City for accessory design, was selling accessories, then was working full time as a personal trainer while I was trying Mm -hmm. to figure my life out at a quarter life crisis taught elementary school phys ed for eight years and all in ended up doing 18 years as a trainer. And it was always like a side gig. I have never taken a formal business class in my life. I've taken a lot of classes, a lot of marketing, a lot of courses, a lot of masterminds. But when it comes down to it, I do not have any sort of business degree. And that's been something that has, you know, I've sat with that before, maybe has bothered me, but like Tony Robbins says, I have a PhD in results and I do. And I say that humbly, but also with truth. So whether it's the results that I've gotten in my business or the hundreds and thousands of clients that we've worked with who have been able to not just make money. I don't care if you can make money. I want you to build a machine that makes you money. Like anyone can teach anyone to make money on Instagram. I want you to build a machine that makes you money so that if you can't show up for work, which I had something that took me out last year, we can talk about it. Eight weeks, it took me out unexpectedly and I was out of work and the business kept running. That's the type of business that I want to teach people how to do, right? How to build. So for me, um, I've definitely come up against that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I don't have this business background. Where did I learn it? Oh my gosh, the amount of podcast hours I've been listening to over the last decade. Keep in mind, I'm an OG. Like I'm a grandma in this industry. If you've been in the coaching digital marketing space for like a year or two, you're considered to be like a vet. And I've been in 11 years. And so 11 years I've been posting consistently daily on different social media platforms, blogging, selling $79 eBooks, running fitness programs, group things, free things, paid things, in-person retreats, you name it. I really have done all of it, high ticket, low ticket, and everything in between. And so I've learned from experience. I've learned from making some pretty embarrassing mistakes. I've learned from having success. I've learned from tracking metrics. You cannot grow what you cannot measure. So we take very seriously the metrics because math is the path and we measure everything in the business. And I've been investing in mentors, paid mentors since 2014, but I don't believe that mentors have to be paid. Like I have never formally, I'll I'll just use his name, aside from going to his event every year, Lewis House, love Lewis. I've never formally Mm -hmm. paid Lewis for like a business coaching program or a mastermind. But for seven years, I did not miss a podcast he put out like did not miss a piece of content he put out. And this was back in the day where we I'd be DMing with him. Like it was actually him and we'd be yeah. DMing. And so I see a mentor as someone who just, you're learning from them. They're an expander for you. You're consuming what they're doing. You don't necessarily have to pay them or be in a container. But the amount of mentors that I've had paid and free podcasts, books that I've read, courses, masterminds, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point. You know, we continue to invest. We have a mastermind again this year as we always are. We're never not with a coach or mentor. And we also have experts on the team that we outsource different things to. And you're listening to like chapter 20 right now. This is not my chapter one. so Do not compare yourself to what it looks like today. I didn't have all of these things last year, three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. It's like, this is a culmination of 11 years.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, when I first like realized, oh, this investment in myself and business is different than maybe our corporate classes or different things, it reminded me, and I love that you bring up the mentorship that isn't always paid. Like when we step into parenting, we go to some of the free classes. We learn how to breathe. We learn from someone, hey, what diaper bag did you put on your registry? How do I put my car seat in? Some of that is just asking questions or sending a text. And then sometimes we go and we look for a family therapist. We pay for private school. We pay for private lessons for our kids. We look for the next level when we're ready for it and need it. And sometimes that seems totally normal. And we have someone come and help and clean our house or we look for support. But for some reason, it's not normal to invest in yourself as a person or to say, oh, I need support in my business beyond payroll Mm -hmm. or bookkeeping And in this world, it's very normal. You know, you support so many people in that. But if it's new to you, it's okay for it to be new. Somewhere along your background, there wasn't someone that ever paid to have someone clean their house. There was someone that first went, hey, I need to outsource this. I have more going on. So allowing yourself to invest in yourself is not always the easiest thing, but it is so, so important. And sometimes it takes life knocking you down to realize, hey, I need to do something differently. Mm -hmm. And I heard you speak on a stage once that talked about the many times you've been knocked down and the times that you had to slow down and be like, oh, oh. And for those that have listened to my story, it took me also waking up in the hospital to be like, oh, hey, I'd also love to unpack the most recent because it was, as you said, this moment of Instagram versus reality. And while you had built that machine, because you are a business genius, to be able to allow you to choose. Am I going to go in normal life as much as I can throughout this? Or am I going to pause? I would love to unpack what that decision looked like and also just how that kind of rocked reality for you for a little bit.
0: Yeah, oh man. Well, the first thing I wanna say just real quick is like the theme of anointing yourself too, right? When we're talking about finding a mentor and investing, also just keep in mind, cause you're gonna get this, we have so many moms on here, we put our kids into sports. We put them into theater. We put them into arts and crafts, right? We want them to get connected to like-minded people. So we take that one step further. We put them in the room, get them in front of those friends. And then we become adults and nobody does it for us. Nobody's our advocate when you're an adult. So for me, whether it's paid or unpaid, I want to put myself in the rooms. If I like soccer, I want to go to soccer. If I want to learn business, I want to go to business. So just, just to remove like this taboo or this pressure... The only thing that's happening right now as an adult is I am being my own advocate to put myself in the rooms with the other kids who are interested in the same thing that I am. That's it. That's it. Okay. Roadblocks, challenges, aha moments, man. I've had so many. I, I don't need to go through all of them. I think some of the biggest ones, I'd say the biggest one because it was probably the first time that I removed my ego. And a dear friend of mine always says, ego is your biggest overhead. It will cost you the most, right? Thinking that you know everything, asking for help. The very first time I removed my ego and I asked for help that I could remember in my old adult life, I was a maybe junior in college and I'd been struggling with an eating disorder for about eight years. Really awful bulimia, addiction to pills, diet pills, laxatives, fat burners, just everything I can get my hands on. And I was just so incredibly sick. I had two interventions with my roommates. I have, of course, denied everything. And I ended up finally one day waking up, not because I was like, I'm ready. It was more like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is just exhausting. So I checked myself into an outpatient therapy program and it ended up saving my life. And so that was my first sort of breadcrumb as to like, oh, when you remove your ego and you ask for help and you say that you don't know how to do something by yourself, it saved my life. And then it wasn't until many, many, many years later in, probably in while I was teaching it happened again. And then as as an entrepreneur it happened again, but there were these tiny little breadcrumb moments where another moment that I had, this is now years later, I'm a full-time entrepreneur. And I was battling a breast cancer scare and adrenal fatigue and complete burnout. And I had essentially done it to myself, just like overworking, overstressed, overwhelmed, just awful. And I remember Mike came home from work and I was sitting on the apartment floor on my knees, just crying. And he was, what's the matter, what's the matter? And I was basically, I think I either just gotten the phone call or I was waiting for the phone call from the doctor about the lab results. Just crying, like, thank God it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And he said something in the moment that changed a lot for me. Now, in hindsight, having the conversation with him, this is not what he meant, but I received what I needed. And so he had said something in passing, like you did this to yourself. Now, the way that I received it, he's not a jerk, I promise. The way that I received it in the moment was that I did this to myself. Like I drove myself into the burnout, into the grind, into the thing to make myself physically sick. And it wasn't the first time I had done it. And so it was in that moment again, where it was like, dude, nothing changes. If nothing changes, like you got to fix this. And then there've been many moments and he totally did not say that. Like we found out way after, but that's what I received. And then there've been so many other times in my life or in my business. And for me, it's always health. It's always health. It's an injury. It's something that knocks me off my feet. I need a surgery. I've had a lot of surgeries. Unfortunately, I'm a college gymnast, so lots of surgeries. But it's always something that takes me out physically, and it's kind of that thing. I remember as a kid, Oprah used to say, like, I remember her saying one time, like, the universe gives you like a little whisper, and if you don't listen, it gets a little louder, and then it's like a nudge on the shoulder, and then it's like an elbow to the your side, and then it, like a whack over your head, and then a, a brick, like slamming you down. And so for me, it's always my health where I get like a little whisper and I don't listen. And then it's like a little louder and I don't listen. It gets a little louder and then it takes me out. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. two ankle surgeries, two stints in wheelchairs. Like there've just been so many times I've been taken out. And it's in those moments for me, I think I'd learned by now, like at 40 years old, grow up, right? But it's in those moments where I'm like, oh, I need to slow down. Oh, I need to reassess how I'm approaching this. Oh, I need to restructure my business. So the most recent one that really did take me out aside from the broken finger for the last eight weeks, which was really annoying. Um, Back in September of last year, we ended up having an ectopic pregnancy. And for those who don't know what that is, it's basically the embryo was growing inside of my fallopian tube, which is non-viable pregnancy. And they had to obviously remove the embryo as well as my tube. So I lost my right fallopian tube. But the interesting thing was we did not know we were pregnant. We had I guess you could say I've been trying. It was the first month that we were like, "Yeah, let's just like see what happens. Let's let's give it a shot." Intuitively, intuitively, I knew I was pregnant, but I had not tested because we'll go there. But when I started bleeding, was when I should have had my period, so I just didn't think anything of it. After six, seven, eight, nine, ten days of bleeding, and it got progressively worse. I was like, "Something is wrong." So I had called over to the OB, and she basically said, "You know." This is the protocol. If this happens, go to the ER, but we're going to get you in here on a Monday. And this was on a Friday. This wasn't just a regular Friday. This was a Friday during our live launch. So the way that we run our business is our signature program. We do a massive live launch where we have thousands and thousands of people that come to this three-part live sort of webinar series. So there's three big parts where there's these big two-hour trainings. And then every day in between for 10 days, there are other trainings. So I'm on for 13 days in a row this is day two of day 13. We've been working for seven months on this launch. This is our big program. It's the meat and potatoes of our revenue. We've got affiliates. We're running ad money. Like it's a Super Bowl for us, right? Yeah. So I wake up on day two and now it's Saturday and all of the things that she said to watch out for are happening. And so we went to the hospital and when we checked in, like long story short, nurse comes back in immediately after blood tests and everything. She said, oh, well, I'm so sorry. As you guys know, you're pregnant and it's not viable. And Mike and I looked at each other and we were like, that is very new information. Like I did not know that I was pregnant. I was six weeks. And at the time she was like, it's probably a miscarriage. And so let's navigate. And within a couple hours, they wanted to do some more testing. And so after some other testing, they had done like an ultrasound and they were like, yeah, we can't find anything. But based on your HTC levels, you are still pregnant. And the amount that you've been bleeding, you are miscarrying. Something's going on. We have to go in and do surgery. It has to be exploratory. And I'm like, I do not have time for this. I have a training tomorrow. I'm literally like sitting at the hospital, like eating pretzels on the bed because I'm not thinking that it's going to be anything. Yeah. And so we really didn't have time to process any of it. The fact that we were pregnant, the fact that like all of a sudden this was happening, it wasn't viable. And so within just hours of first getting to the hospital, I was wheeled into surgery for exploratory surgery. They ended up finding that it was a topic, removed the baby, removed the tube. And I basically woke up and looked at the doctor and was just like, what happened? And she told me what happened. And I was so angry. I was so angry, Kels. Like, I wasn't even at, sad yet. Like I wasn't ready for, and I and I hadn't processed that I had been pregnant and that there was a loss. It was like, I was just so angry. You took my two? I know I signed the papers Mm. and like, thank you for saving my life, but what? You had the audacity, right? And like, I was just so angry and went home that night and had to make a really difficult decision of, do we continue with the launch or do we not? And. I gave myself until the next day to make the call and tell the team what I was going to do. And it was my choice to continue with the launch. We didn't need to financially, but my number one core value as a human and with my company is integrity. And it just felt weird to shut it down after we had already started it. Had we not started it, I think I would have been more open to pushing it. I, I, I definitely would have. But because we were in it and we had thousands of people from around the world, like so jazzed, I wasn't ready to tell them what had happened. Like it was 24 hours later. I was not ready to talk about it. And so it just felt out of integrity to end it. And so what I did do was I leaned on the team and I leaned on our coaches that we have in our company. And I said, make it work. Do it. Do what you need to do. If you need to do replays from past launches, if you need to send emails, I don't care what you do, make it work. And they proceeded to go through the launch without me. And I did not know when I was coming back. I basically sat on the couch watching dance movies to the point that i literally was like up to dance movies that were from other countries and other languages and they were like really bad like voiceovers like it was yeah. like there's nothing left for me to watch and i just i just went through my own process and it was 8 weeks until i was ready to kind of come back again and get back on a team meeting and get back on a coaching call and for me, it was in that moment that I saw like, wow, we really did build the machine. We've been talking about it a lot and we teach people how to do it. And I didn't want to learn it in this way, but thank you universe for mm-hmm. showing me like we really did build the machine. And they went on to have a, you know, multiple, 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 multiple six-figure launch without me. And, um, I did nothing. I absolutely did. I did not move off the couch. I, d- I just, and I went through my own process and, you know, shared when I felt appropriate to share. Yeah.
1: Gosh, and there's really nothing to say about your experience that can put words to it, right? I know some of our community has experienced similar things and I know you're still in the process of where are we at now and what's next and how am I moving through this? But how did you navigate just making that choice of keeping things just for you? Because- I remember after my surgery, I didn't want to talk about it and I needed that time. And now sometimes I hear from people that have an Instagram following. They're like, well, they're not being authentic if they're not sharing. And there is this Instagram versus reality. But when you're in it, you say this even with business, right? Like when you're in the prescription bottle, you can't read the label, right? Right. But even when you're in it, you can't vocalize what you're going through. You can't process in a way to share with others exactly what's going on. And so I'm curious in that moment, not only how did you communicate to your team and your followers or choose not to for that eight weeks, but how did you have that conversation with Mike for someone that was just kind of there with you?
0: Yeah, for me, so... I sort of live by one thing on social media, right? People talk about authenticity and vulnerability. You do not need to air all of your dirty laundry for you to be vulnerable or authentic. This is a barometer that you're going to have to choose what like that litmus is for you, what that temperature is for you. There is absolutely no right answer. In fact, I would caution that you don't use things in your life like this for marketing. Like, I think it's pretty, you, people can read mm-hmm. through the lines, right? Like, people can feel the energy when someone tells like a traumatic story or some sob story and then pitches at the end and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, right? Like there's a level of, just like with kids, do you want to share pictures of your kids on the internet or not? It's your choice. There's nothing right or wrong about it. So for me, I sort of live by, there's a difference between something being a scab and something being a scar. So 24 hours after it happened, it was a scab. <laughs> like even eight weeks yeah. after it happened, it was a scab. I was in it. I hadn't processed it. I hadn't learned the lessons from it. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. Um, And that's okay, right? That's part of my process. When it's months or years later, depending on what the thing is, maybe it's days later, it sort of turns into a scar. And whether that is something big T or little T, big trauma or little trauma, right? It's anything though. It's a difficult conversation. In the moment you're heightened, your cortisol's up and you're like angry and in a fight with someone, it's a scab. But days later when you've worked through it and had a conversation, now it's a scar. So for me, I generally don't love sharing when it's a scab because I don't Mm -hmm. feel that it's, I don't have all the information yet. I don't have the lesson. I don't have the context as to why I would be sharing. Now on the flip side, sometimes it just feels good to share. But I also am very mindful with my community and my audience that I'm not going to unload something on you so that I feel better. That's not what my platform is for. And so I'm very cautious when it's a scab. The minute it happened, I shouldn't say the minute, within 48 hours of the surgery happening, I knew that I would share one day. And the reason was, I couldn't find anyone who had been through what I had been through. This is not a competition. I found a lot of women who had miscarriages. I found a lot of Facebook groups for miscarriages. I found even infant loss. I found support groups. I reached out to every therapist I know and I asked for their help and no one could connect me to anything for ectopic. No one had people to connect me to. No one had support to connect me to. There was no Facebook group for me to go into. And I felt, I just felt really alone. And I'm okay with share. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed or anything. So within a few days, I knew that one day I would share because if I could help just one, one person feel not so alone that it's happened to me, mm-hmm. then I, that for me is worth it. And it ultimately has nothing to do with my business, right? But it has everything to do with my business because I am my business and we're all humans. And so I felt it was really important. How long it was going to take, I didn't know. I, I just kind of was like rolling with the punches. Now we were documenting along the way because I'm, I create, I'm a content creator. So I'm always documenting. So Mike has video of me doing the presentation to the full audience of thousands of people virtually. And from the neck up, I'm like, I got makeup on and my cute little you know outfit. And from the waist down, I'm wearing leopard print pajama pants that are hiked up to my boobs with a diaper and like bandages all over my stomach. And so we sort of thought it would be helpful to see this kind of Instagram burst reality, because what these thousands of people didn't see was how I felt and what was going on and behind the scenes. And for the context of me being a business mentor, it actually is really important to showcase. And it was my choice to go forward with the launch, right? But to yeah. showcase sort of like what was going on behind the scenes and all the fires we were putting out and the fact that I was on the couch, just miserable and crying and sad and grieving, but then I'd turn it on for the one or two hours that I would need to turn it on. And kind of compartmentalize, but then give myself the space to do the healing that needed to do. So I knew it was something I wanted to share. I just didn't know when. And it was around eight weeks in that I'm kind of like, I think I shared around week 10 or 12. And I was like, okay, now I feel comfortable sharing. It's not marketing. It's just, I want to Mm -hmm. tell people what was going on. And I want to let other people know, and not just women, but men, because something that we found, you know, you asked about Mike, most people didn't ask Mike how he was. I'm not going to say nobody did. Mm -hmm most people only asked me how I was. And I'm super appreciative. But it was a really interesting moment for us to realize that he was going through his own grief. He lost something too. And watching me and just how sad I was and how much pain I was in and how much blame I had on myself and just all of it. And he's carrying the weight of the team and managing all the people that he's not normally managing. And so the taking care of me physically and taking care of the business and everything, Like most people did not ask how he was. And the few that did, it was like, wow, you unfortunately must have gone through something similar to know how important it is to ask him how he is. And now yeah. that's something so beautiful that we could take moving forward that we both know. And it's like, wow, a crappy lesson to have, right? But a really important one. So he sort of just took the ball away from me. I don't even know that he asked permission. He Maybe he did, I don't remember. You know what I mean? He just kind of took the ball and yeah. so did Lauren on our team and they just did it. And I also had to be okay with like, maybe they don't do it the way I want. Maybe they mess up and that's okay. And so it was just, it was a couple months of us like just getting scrappy and figuring it out and everybody being flexible and open and compassionate on the team to what it would look like. And they killed it. They absolutely crushed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, so many people wouldn't have even known. And I just think it's this really beautiful permission to run your business the way that you want to in your life in the sense that, It gives you an outlet when you are in this grief state and you're giving yourself permission to be on the couch watching movies and crying. But also, you're like, I want a version of normalcy. And how do I get that right now? So how do I get on and do this? And then on the flip side, having Mike be, okay, I can pick up the ball here and I'm going to do that. And also, I can't pick up the ball and tell you you are or aren't going to do something. So I'm going to let you figure out how you're going to get on the call and do that and watch TV and you know, navigate life in that way. And no one knows how to help each other or anyone else. But like you said, being able to check in and say, hey, how are both of you doing? How are all parties involved doing? And I think this is very specific to that. Like you said, finding your people in your group can feel so hard, but then also just general to be able to say like when people go through things, it's almost never just that one person that is going through that.
0: But I had incredible people like you, reaching out. No, I really truly like there were so many people that did reach out who just offered so much love and support. And it was like to know that you have people in your corner. And I think if I didn't share it on social media, I wouldn't have known about some of the women that came forward and said, I too had an ectopic or I went through a miscarriage or I went through something similar or I'm so sorry, or I lost my tube or I lost my uterus or whatever. And it was like, wow, it's unfortunate that that's what we're bonding over, but had I not shared that, I might still feel really alone in the fact that I was the only one that I knew, but then I shared it and then other people were like, me too, you know, and you're like, wow, that's wild. And I just had so many incredible people kind of surface in my life from that.
1: Yeah. Because if you don't share what you're going through, no one can help you, yeah. right? It doesn't mean you have to share, but then also understanding that people can't support you if they don't, if they don't yeah. know. We could literally talk forever, forever, (laughs) but I would say I have two final questions for you. First is whether it's even just through that and that experience or the other hard things that you've navigated or it's through business. For those that are listening, you know they're going to hit challenges, business and personal. They've maybe already had them. What is something that you have learned that helps you get back on track and get going again Mm. when you've
0: been knocked down? Distance. So like removing myself from it, it being the challenge or the thing that I'm working on, right? It's like the visual of sitting at a computer and the cursor is blinking at you on a blank page and you're like trying to force yourself to write a paper in school. Like that is not going to happen. There's going to be so much resistance. There's no creativity. There's no motivation when you're just staring at the blank cursor, you know, staring at you or blinking at you. And so for me, it's like a distance. How can I step away from the thing? How can I triangulate the problem so it's not about me? How can I remove myself from literally the environment? And it might just be going for a walk, go outside, take a deep breath, take a workout class, meet up with a friend, go get coffee at a coffee shop. And it's removing myself from the very thing, which feels counterintuitive, right? Because you're like, but I haven't figured it out yet. And it's like, well, you're not going to figure it out sitting there getting mad about it. So allow yourself the distance and maybe that's even taking a couple days off or a vacation or a social media mm-hmm. detox or whatever it would be. It's like, allow yourself the space to actually come back fresh. Yeah, that's good. Always need to step away.
1: I feel like that also comes up with parenting. Like if you see yourself and even for you with teaching... And until you carry that other title to be able to say like, okay, when you're about to yell at your kids or you feel like you don't know how to handle the mess in the house or what to make for dinner, like take a step back and it applies to business, life, everything, grief.
0: It's like a reset, a little reset, like a mental vacation, you know? Yes. Mental vacation. Love that.
1: Before I ask my last question, all the places we can connect with you, of course, all the business goodies, so much value. I can't even vouch for it enough on the podcast but all the other places people can move forward in life and business with you.
0: I hang out most on Instagram. We are basically on every single app or platform. So I hang out most on Instagram. My handle there is I am Jessica DeRose. It is a little confusing. My maiden name is Glazer. That's technically my legal name. So lots of things have Glazer, lots of things have DeRose. But um, I am Jessica DeRose on Instagram. We also have our own podcast, so Digital Business Evolution. We currently put out three episodes per week and they're really fun. There's lots of mindset stuff, lots of business stuff. We do guest interviews, mic drops with my husband Mike, and then solo episodes. Of course, we've got our website, jessicaderose.com. We were on threads, TikTok, YouTube. I mean, literally everywhere you can find me, but that's where you can find me. So good. And everything from
1: the get ready with me videos in the morning with like free coaching to then also unpacking like bigger topics. You can't get enough of Jess and her content.
0: You might get enough of me. You might get enough of me.
1: Last question for you. What is something that you're excited about? Personally, professionally, a goal that you are currently working on when we think of having goals and what is lighting you up right now or keeping you awake and laying in bed, ready to go hit the ground running, knowing you, what is the thing that is top notch right now?
0: Oof. Can I give you two? Of course really just getting back to like ultimate optimal health and like really feeling great in my body, feeling strong. Again, I've had a lot of setbacks over the past two years. We're going through an interesting restructure right now of sort of how we're running the business to be proactive for where we're intending to go, which is to be parents. Um, So we're sort of taking a proactive approach to making a lot of changes. And I'm really excited about these changes because parents or not, um, this is going to change the way that we're able to live our life. And I feel that the season that I'm in, many years ago, whether it was, you know, seven years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, I set these big audacious goals. And I had a dream vision of what my life could look like one day. And I'm so grateful to say that I'm living in it. But also what I'm recognizing is while I've, quote unquote, arrived to that dream, that vision, those goals, and I've been living in it for a couple of years. I stopped dreaming at this place. And so I'm in a space right now with my life and business where I get to dream again for what the next version is going to be. And so that's what I'm really excited about because I had only really thought to this point and I'm here and it's great. It's great. It's better than I could have imagined. But I didn't allow myself to go past here. And so now I'm like, yeah, all right, what's next? Like, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I love that.
1: So good. Thank you so much, Jess. Jess. And we're headed off to record part two. Yeah. Love it. Sometimes the smallest act of love is all a mom needs to feel reinvigorated. If you can relate to that, I'd feel so supported by your five-star rating and written review. Take a moment and let me know what you thought about this episode.